I don't want to sleep on episode four though. So oh yeah, that's it's, a good one. It's like which one is that? So it's almost like the poor man's forks in that it's when Marcus goes to Copenhagen. That's my least favorite. <gasps> what? Yeah. No. Oh, wow. Cut the cut the feed. I'm glad you didn't tell me this before. <laughs> I, I did not. I wanted to sit on it, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, ready? This is it. This is the show. What's with the pineapple? A brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a, a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? Okay, episode 25, Every Second Counts, which is a precursor for really the bulk of what this episode is going to be, which is going to be an analysis of season two of Hulu's, or FX, The Bear. However, we do have other segments we have to get into, but just to announce now, there will be a lot of spoilers. We are assuming everyone has binged this in the last month. If you haven't, Stop playing right now. No. Go watch all 10 episodes. Listen. Well, yes, but also listen to the first half. Then stop. Then go watch it because we want to get those streams up. Don't tell people to not listen to our podcast. No, just a pause. Also, producer producer Joe will be, he has a mic. His mic is on and he will be joining us for the bear analysis. Leaning heavy into Joe on this what one. What happens if this is uh, your most popular episode? Do you guys change your format completely? Do we just... Is that what you want, Joe? Is that is that secretly the desire? I mean, yes. it's not my podcast, but <laughs> I'm just curious if you guys are going to react to the numbers. Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we, we respond and make changes based on the numbers. We've, we've been surprised by some things that have not been successful and some things that have been. We'll leave those things nameless. But let's go. Let's let her rip. See that there? It's a nice. Little, little bear reference. Nice. All right, Pineapple Express. Pure Michigan has partnered with McDonald's and the Coca-Cola Company to bring the Pure Michigan Mix. Justin, what is the Pure Michigan Mix? Ooh, well, it is a frozen drink blend of Fanta, Blue Raspberry, and Sprite Limonade. And it's available in more than 500 McDonald's locations across the state of Michigan. Have you had it? No, no. But that's that's good branding. 500 locations is going to get some juice. It's also going to get... Right, McDonald's in the summertime is going to get a lot of travelers from out of Michigan and mm-hmm. while they are here hitting McDonald's as well. So I think that's going to do some good brand expansion beyond just the state of Michigan. So I like it. It's creative. The Pure Michigan Mix. And beyond that, those who do get the drink, they have the chance to uh, scan a QR code. You know I love that. And uh, get free tickets to summer events like concerts at Pine Knob, Little Caesars, Arena, Michigan's Adventure, and more. It'll always be DTE Energy Arena to me. Same, same. (laughs) All right, moving on quickly. A lot of Taco Bell stories happening. I know, I'm surprised. And really, it's just a, a... Thing that we're leaning into at this point. So let me just get your quick reaction to a few of these stories, and then we can dive in. So Taco Bell CEO uh, Mark King is retiring. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great career. Great career. Yep, sums it up. And his new his replacement will start in 2024. Also, they've hired Paris Hilton. Any reactions to that? What year is this? 
Exactly. Exactly. So they are relaunching their volcano menu from the 2000s and have created a Paris Hilton That's Hot hotline. Remember her tagline? That's yeah. hot. I thought um, it was That's So Hot. I don't know. We'll have to fact check that, actually. Listen, if it's, I'm not going to be the one to know. You can you can call the hotline and there's all sorts of options. You can press one to hear about the volcano menu. Press two for advice from Paris Hilton. Press three if you want Paris to be your life coach. Hmm. So that could be interesting. Press four to hear Paris's thoughts on bangs. So I don't know. I mean, it's working. We're talking about it. Well, you always talk about anything that is Yum Brands, Taco Bell, marketing related. I swear, if we don't get their VP of marketing on, it's going to be a major disappointment. We got to we gotta follow all of this talk up. I have reached out on LinkedIn, you, so I'm working on it. And just for the listeners, we are not getting any, disappointingly, frankly, we are not getting any kickback from, from young brands for all of this free advertising. I mean, it's always creative. I mean, it's interesting to me because she resonates... I think, in some nostalgic way with people more my age. So are you trying to draw people older in, back into Taco Bell, who have like maybe graduated? They're like, well, I used to go to Taco Bell a lot in my teens, 20s, and I just don't as much anymore, and now you're bringing it back. Like, what is, Paris Hilton is, doesn't seem like it would resonate with the Target demo that goes to Taco Bell right now. But it resonates with my demo, too. People in their 30s. Mm. That's tough. You want to, you want to go into that a little bit? No, no, I'm already sick enough to my stomach. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. Too much volcano menu. I mean, I grew up on Paris Hilton. Like, what was that show she had with Nicole Richie? Something on the, e. the Simple Life. Sure. Yeah, you know, there's no way you don't know about any of this. I mean, I have like vague memories from the early two early two thousands, mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, it works because it gets people talking and uh, that nostalgia piece is it's real. So moving forward, something you brought up actually about Taco Bell this week is the Taco Tuesday litigation. Yeah. I mean, fascinating between Taco Bell and Taco John. Yep. Maybe not the, the not quite as well known Taco multi-location chain across America who has had the rights to Taco Tuesday. They've had that trademark for many, many years. Since the 80s. Since the 80s, but is at risk or was at risk of losing it. And they feared that they were going to lose the litigation. Argument being that Taco Tuesday has been used so broadly in the culture and separate from any branding. I mean, listen, before I saw news of this in the last few weeks, I didn't know that there was a tie-in to, to Taco John's at right. all on this. And I think that become a, became increasingly apparent to them. So they removed themselves from the litigation, but I thought they did so in a creative way. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, they did it. They did it well. They said they are donating $40,000, so $100 per its 400 locations to the Children of Restaurant Employees, also known as core. So they're saying, hey, we'll back out. But instead of spending our money on legal fees, we'll donate within the industry to a cause that is important. So well done, I think, by Taco John. I had the same thought process when you sent this to me. I didn't know that Taco Tuesday would have been trademarked because it's been used so often. And I also question why Taco Bell, why would they build like a marketing campaign? I assume they're building something around Taco Tuesday, which flagged as a trademark, etc., but they have all these other, like, as we've talked about, creative ideas. Why go for Taco Tuesday? That's kind of 
overdone. So it's just assume, kind of confusing. I'm going to assume it's a partnership with LeBron James because when I think of Taco <laughs> Tuesday, I don't know if I think of anything other than for some reason LeBron James associating himself with did Taco he, Tuesday. Did he do a commercial recently, like around this? Was it was it with Taco Bell? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay, well maybe I missed the mark. Finding out in real time. Wow, producer Joe is gonna take over my spot quickly, and that's cool. <laughs> Uh, quick shout out though for Cora, Children of Restaurant Employees, great charity, very smart move by Taco John. That is, it's semi-similar to what we did during the pandemic with the Employee Relief Fund. It, it does target those dependents of people working in this industry when, when terrible things befall them and, and, and providing a little extra layer of relief and support for those families in need. We have met their executive director and, and, and had an opportunity to learn a little bit about uh, CORE. So great charity, smart move by Taco John. And I think maybe through this, they actually got a little more uh, publicity. Fun fact, three locations, only three Taco Johns in the state of Michigan, all in the Grand Rapids area. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is a fun fact. And also, I did look this up and yeah, you guys are right. There's a whole LeBron James, Taco Bell, Taco Tuesday there it is. thing happening. All right, we'll talk more about it next time. I, I look forward to more, forever more Taco Bell content on on what's with a pineapple. All right, let's hit uh, let's hit the plaudits. Plaudits. I just want to say this: every second counts. We got to keep going. Wow, you're crushing it this week. Yes, you're carrying the team to say the least this week. Okay, we want to honor the legacy of Dorothy Zender. Yeah. Solemn news uh, out of Frank and Muth, Dorothy Zender, co-founder and beloved matriarch of the well-known family-owned Bavarian Inn, uh, died recently in Frank and Muth. She was 101. That is a full life. She is an absolute icon, uh, legendary up there, and was active and involved uh, to, to... uh, her last days. So we were fortunate to be able to work with her and get to know her well. Uh, her granddaughter, Amy, shout yep. out to Amy Grossi, is on our board of directors. So sad news uh, up in Frankenmuth, but I don't know if you could have a more full and, and meaningful life than, than what Dorothy's under had. Absolutely. Yeah, I was reading coverage of her actual funeral and life celebration and just how the town rallied around it. And I don't know how you could ask for a fuller, better life. So Absolutely. Okay, so going towards uh, Buddy's Pizza has teamed up with Slow's Barbecue this summer to to bring together the Detroit-style pizza with the restaurant's barbecue. So collaboration there, which is fun to see two big Michigan brands coming together to launch something. It's the Taste of Summer Barbecue menu with the limited time only includes Yardbird and Barbecue Brisket Detroit-style pizza flavors and Slow's Chili Cheese Fries and new cocktails. Hmm, new cocktails. Maybe they can get those to go. Whenever they want. That's a uh, little preview right there. I read the story and these, my, my response is, what the hell took so long? This mm-hmm. is a great idea. I like both of these pizzas. I want I want the Yardbird like now for lunch. Yeah. So, Joe, you got, you got a favorite between those? Are you a brisket guy? Are you more of a, a barbecue chicken? What's what's your go-to? Not a big brisket guy. I'd probably, I'd probably go barbecue chicken if I'm picking between those two. I got a fight into a fight on 4th of July with my brother-in-law on this one. Not physical, but on, on brisket of whether the, the lean is better than the fattier part of, mm-hmm. of the brisket. And mm. I and I know I'm on the wrong side of this argument, but I, I like the lean part. 
Mm-hmm. I like the lean side. He was horribly offended. I mean, he had also spent 12 hours smoking this brisket all day okay. for the 4th of July. Yeah, you got to <laughs> fill in those details. So he was upset that my, my take was, I think the leaner is the, is the better way to go here. And yeah, so yeah, obviously the flavor comes with the fat, but I... I, I thought, might like that too, because I feel like it's just too... I, I Barbecue's great, but I need to nap, so I need to like make it as light as I can. Yeah, mm. this is what I'm saying. It's not like you're not going to pile on 400 other things on top of it and around it. So, but that's right. I, Emily, strong, strong feelings either way in your brisket. I'm going to go with whatever you said (laughs) today. (laughs) Very strong, very strong take. Uh, No, I don't have a very strong take, but I do think it's interesting that you got into an argument about it (laughs) because that's, you have a strong take. I often try to. Yeah. Okay. Hampton Inn and Suites by Hilton Manistee Waterfront owned by MRLA board member Peter Bukema hosted their ribbon cutting ceremony this week. It's officially open for guests. We talked with Pete earlier this yep. year when he was a, a uh, guest for our Capital Day edition. Audio, not the best, but he was a great guest. We're doing our best, okay? <laughs> We're doing our best with less. <laughs> he uh, he was he talked about you know that coming later this summer. We are here. He has been all hands on deck, do up there himself. I've been talking to him uh, via text last few days, and he's just been up there doing literally everything. He is yeah. making beds, he is washing dishes, he is putting things together last second to make sure that they're getting to their opening date. So kudos to him. It's a beautiful property. Yeah, it, is. I, it has to be by Hampton Inns. It's got to be like a signature, if not the signature Hampton Inn. It is right on the water. It's got a beautiful rooftop bar. Mm-hmm. It's a destination property. One I hope to get up to, frankly, pretty soon. Yeah, they have like an indoor-outdoor pool swim-through situation. It's it's good. I want to check it out as well. So congratulations to Peter on that one. Absolutely. All right, going into For Fork's Sake, some GA stuff. Last-minute additions here, because we didn't know if we would have much to say for this segment. We did not bring any cocktails, which I think was a fail for us today recording, but uh, Cocktails to Go was signed, it removed the sunset yesterday, it was signed into law and will be a permanent fixture in Michigan going forward. Yep, the legislature completed their work before getting out of town. Maybe, by the way, they're heading up to Manistee to partake in the New Hampton Inn, but- I don't know why they wouldn't. They should, mm-hmm. if they can, high demand. But they, they left the governor with a lot of opportunities to sign some bills. Yesterday, she did several. One of those was Cocktails to Go, Something we've been championing. We were one of the first states in 2020 to get it passed in the first place. Just a reminder there that we have been leading on this issue for three years, but that came with a sunset. There is no more sunset. Cocktails to go is in perpetuity and part of your restaurant going or taking, Mm -hmm. I should say, experience going forward. So that's a nice win for the industry, something we've been championing for a long time. Thank you to Senator Mallory McMorrow for for leading uh, on, on this effort here and getting this across the finish line. So we're excited about that. Cheers. Yeah. More booze. Uh, alcohol can now be served at college sporting events. This is something that we had talked about in the past. We worked with the sponsors of the legislation, one of which was a guest on, yeah. uh, on this show uh, a, a few few weeks ago, a few months ago. Uh, it's all a blur, really. <laughs> Representative Graham Filler, uh, one of the sponsors, uh, work with them to make this work for the surrounding restaurants and bars, frankly, as well. Uh, and so we got to a place where we're very comfortable. 
I think it's a good opportunity to create new opportunities, right? Like the fact that you can, you have this as a a way to lure large concerts, large summer concerts to Spartan Stadium or Michigan Stadium uh, in Ann Arbor is exciting. Uh, Those are new opportunities for this industry that don't exist uh, very often right now. So I think that's some, some good upside. And then mitigating some of the competitive nature of of game days for mm-hmm. for football and to a lesser extent basketball and hockey but that's big news and that's that's been signed as well i think the governor talked about it as a way to alleviate some binge drinking there's no need to go real heavy before right. a game because you know you can't drink in there especially for those some of those younger attendees to these games Maybe those those, those in their damn tw- kids. Those in their twenties. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to relate. I can I can relate for the next six days. Thank you. <laughs> Joe. Joe's actually not gonna be joining us later for the <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> so so good news there. Governor was uh, happy to sign that and move that one forward. And one one I a new story that I thought was really interesting, and this came fast and left fast. Uh, oh yeah, was the was the toast brand so the POS system that had been putting on independent of restaurants their own ninety nine cent service fee for ordering through toast that was for online orders over ten dollars to the customer. Thank you. Right, that went directly to the customer. But some of the challenge for restaurant tours was they had no stake, no understanding that this was happening. They often get the blame, frankly, right. for that happening. And and so there was some real outrage, and it came fast. We heard it from some of our members. We communicated with some of our partners at the National Association, uh, and with some people at, at, at Toast. Right, and I'm not saying that Michigan drove this story. Uh, we played, I think, a role because there was such an uh, uh, such outrage quickly, and it they walked away from it already. Right? Within like, a week or less. <laughs> less right? than a week. Literally. I think it was about five days from <laughs> noticing, communicating to them removing it. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think we should take full credit. What I'm hearing is that there's no one more effective than the MRLA to get done <laughs> what you need to get done. Love it. Love it. Uh, but, you know, that's that's it's interesting because the service fee discussion we've had a little bit on here is a dicey issue right now because inflation has made things so challenging for everyone uh, and restaurants trying to find ways have been involved in this themselves. So these are un, this is unstable ground, but it's pretty clear that this one got there. The pushback was so strong, so fast. Toast, toast backed away from this. And again, the money was not going to the operator. It was going to Toast 100%. to help yeah. with whatever they needed help with. So it is a weird middle ground where everyone was confused and annoyed. Certainly different than when a restaurant will put a, a, a service fee for managing their credit card. So they are paying a three, right. three and a half percent fee for uh, swiping a credit card and then charging some of that back to the customer. Uh, that That's a challenging issue, issue for restaurants as it is, but at least it's 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 justified. We're paying it. We're, we're trying to mitigate some of those costs. Here you go. This was just caught right in the middle of that. And, and, and so came out of left field. Didn't go well. Not, not, not a great launch. <laughs> And, and it's already gone. So some some would say it was toast from the beginning, you know. Oh, there we go. Nice. Thank you. I'm back, baby. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up. Let's uh, talk the bear. Ooh, is it go time? Let it rip. Nice. Every second counts. <laughs> Okay, so in the office for the last two weeks, every time we've talked about recording this episode of the podcast, you've said, all I want to talk about is the bear. It's all I want to talk about. So here we are. We're going to start talking about it. We've brought in producer Joe to add commentary as well. Um, I mean, he was kind of here already. 
Yeah. You should turn the mic on. <laughs> right. He was he was forced into doing this because we have all watched all 10 episodes of season two. For those who haven't watched it and are in the middle of it, we will be doing spoilers. Who, those who have Will you play an alert sound when we edit this right now? Just spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yes, air horn something. Attention, attention. So for those who have no idea what we're talking about, let's set the stage. So The Bear is a show that streams on Hulu, produced by FX, that in summary is about a young chef from the fine dining world who returns to Chicago to run his family's sandwich shop. And what you find out, just to give a little bit from season one, is it's his brother who has passed away. It's his sandwich shop that he left to him. And it's a shit show. Can I say that? Yeah, 100 percent. And I mean, you say passed away, committed suicide adds even more to the family drama uh, and the chaos by which he is returned from New York. Yes. Carmi, main character. Yes. uh, Who is returned from New York to from a very high end Michelin rated restaurant to come back to uh, the original beef, an Italian beef restaurant. Very, very chill. Very rough. If you watch season one. You know, it was a little hard from the restaurant side of the equation to see a place that looked a little, a little rough. Uh, I mean, they got a C rating in season one. This is this is true. If you're if you're into the letter grading, which if you follow any of our content on on Detroit Restaurant Lodging Association, we have not been supportive of alphabet specific ratings for the city. But that's what he walks back into. There's an entire family drama around the Berzados. Mm-hmm. Uh, hint, by the way, Berzado, Berzado, the bear. Uh, oh. Strong, strong tie in there, and so it's a family drama, but it's also definitively about this industry, the restaurant industry, and uh, it's also funny. You know, it's it, it has a little bit of, of of everything, and and so and emotional. That that season one transition is all about trying to get that restaurant to just a base level mm-hmm. uh, of of efficiency and functionality. And then through a meeting of someone who was brought on, Sid, right? They yes. have a chance to make it something different, something special, something bigger than it already is. Uh, and that's that's what season two ends up being about is is trans transforming that family business from, as you said, a shit show, which mm-hmm. it was yep. uh, and trying to make it something sophisticated, but still true to its original essence. And it is just so perfectly done. It has been such great TV to watch. I'm that's excited great. as someone who's in this industry, working and, and defending those in this industry. But just it's great television and great character development as well. Is that too much, Joe? I think you nailed it. I think that was a really good summary. <laughs> I'm passionate I think, I about think the you, show. Yeah, I think you set the stage quite well. Do you think I did too? Yeah. It was okay, a team great. Effort. Thank you. <laughs> We're all winners today. Okay. Where do we want to start here, Emily? So what you said, it's so good and it is so good. And I think anyone in this industry, it immediately resonates with anyone in the industry because it's so it doesn't give you time to catch up on the lingo or set the stage for like building this world. You just drop right into it. And for those who might not have ever worked in the industry, you're kind of like trying to catch up. You don't get it all. But what else? Why do you think this show is so good? What makes it? worth dedicating an entire episode of our podcast to. I have a lot of thoughts. I, I just took a lot of time on the intro. I want to let I want to give Joe a little, little time. I don't here. know. I think it's hard to answer that. I I think part of what makes it so good is that it's like you said, it's it's really well written, well acted. It's it's a quality show. Hulu Hulu FX shows, they they know their lane. They do those really well. Right. But I think part of what makes it so like captivating and keeping your attention is just the tension is so high from the get-go, and it really doesn't ever let up. I mean, it does for, like, seconds, but it's, like, you... 
you don't let your breath out. It's just kind of like it's it's too much to just look away from. So you just got to keep going. That's why I think it's such a bingeable show. Well, so most you got to see how this goes. 30 yeah. minutes too, right? Yeah. It's not an hour then. So they really cram that intensity into a very short amount of time. But you're right. I think that there's there's just some unapologetically raw honesty in how they address the industry, how they address uh, the character. And the characters, by the way, are so like infinitely lovable right. and relatable. Even if you know someone like that, if maybe maybe that person's a dr- more dramatic or more of a shit show uh, version <laughs> of someone you might know in your life. So they're relatable in that way. And the interaction, the acting is, is absolutely uh, kinetic when they're, when they're together. It's, it's intense and it makes for interesting drama, but then there's some hilarious, hilarious moments spread throughout and some of its fatalism and, and, and uh, how it approaches uh, the situation that they find themselves in. And it's uplifting. I mean, really yeah. in season two, it's still tense, but there's some quiet moments and you see the growth of so many of the, of the characters who were secondary characters in season one right, being, yeah. being showcased out front. And each one of them is amazing. So I know we'll talk episode specific in a little bit, but I, I think it's easy to want to invest your time in those characters and, and what they bring to the table. Yeah, I think season two gives you a chance to fall in love with more characters than just Carmi because season one was getting your loyalty to Carmi as the leader of, as the chef, as the restaurant owner. And then season two, you get to learn more about these characters and of their lives a little bit outside of the restaurant, but it all is around this ecosystem of the restaurant. And then also just the visual components, like who doesn't love watching culinary expertise and like, you know, if you're scrolling through TikTok or something like creating a meal and they do it so well visually in the show that I think that adds an element where it's also just fun and interesting to watch. You're like, I want to go cook something right now. Yeah, that's a good segue to that question of this is a podcast about the restaurant and hotel industry, about hospitality. What? do you think the show says overall uh, about the industry? Do you think it has a cohesive message? What, what do you think people take away from it? I think it does, as you said, a really good job of covering all of the different areas within the nuances within the industry. And it doesn't shy away from some of the, the reality and tough topics either. I mean, his brother committed suicide and mental health is a big issue within our industry. It also covers things like letter grading and how that can be devastating to a restaurant because they know no one's going to come in or all of the regulatory stuff that you have to go through to uh, open a new restaurant and how difficult it is and the tight profit margins and the nuances of, you know, get the F out of my expo and and we have a job to do and we're going to do it and I'm going to talk to you however I want and then ultimately we're a team and we're trying to accomplish the same mission it just does it so well and that's why i think joe a little subtle shade to you everyone should work in a restaurant because say that part aloud well well, cats out of the bag i guess (laughs) i think that's an important perspective though because not everyone has so i like i don't know any of that good outside perspective yeah Yeah. i I don't know any of that but on the net it, it it makes the restaurant industry look better i think it makes it look extremely hard i think it makes it like there's so like if you want to do it well there are so many things you have to be able to do and so many details you have to think about and just like when they go to the restaurant Richie works at for a week like every little thing is a big thing the smudge is a meeting yeah like yeah so it makes you just realize how much goes into doing service and fine food well i for me it was really 
it reinforced, not that I needed it, but it reinforced like why we do what we do, why it's easy mm-hmm. to get out there and be out front and be the shield and defend this industry uh, and defend the people in it. Because what you saw was like a level of passion and a willingness to go for it, to create something special and to offer a level of hospitality and service for other human beings that is like that is elite and it's so uh, like a fundamental part of who they are as individuals that they need to create and make that available for someone else that they will deal with how hard Joe that it all of that is and you know there's a whole montage where you see uh, in the season all the restaurants closing from the pandemic yeah. or the, the fallout after the pandemic of how challenging all of that has been and they sort of address and talk about all of these different restaurants struggling and closing there's one part where uh, Sid goes and talks to all the people that she had worked with and and as she's thinking about how to develop this restaurant and you know later on in the season you see one of the people she talked to one of the people she admired and was a mentor for her their restaurant closed and she's on her way to opening day for right. her new restaurant yeah and so all of the all of those challenges financially structurally uh, with labor with every with everything that goes with running a restaurant all of the multiple variables that 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 can equate to you failing is all put to the side because the idea of creating something special is more and that's in the fundamental core of who they are so for me like I don't know I got like the the tingly feeling you know when something Mm -hmm. feels true true and real when I was watching that to go like damn it yeah that's what we're here for is to defend that because we're trying to create something that adds breadth to our overall lives in general makes some makes life more enjoyable and livable i know we say that but you feel that in this show and i felt it reinforced that and without shying away from all the hard things yeah uh that there were in this i mean what was the season nine where they literally talk about as they're getting close to opening uh, tips, tips or no tips. It feels like we shouldn't have to have this conversation, I think is what Carmi said. Seems like it should be pretty obvious, but I think we should have this discussion, you know, in, in insinuating that, of course, people should be like incentivized and be pushed in and tipping is a way to demonstrate appreciation for really great service. And, and, and that was discussed as well. So that felt real close to home yeah. for us, uh, not to mention the great plug. Yeah. Talk about close to home. Serve safe is in there prominently displayed. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole season is when he's sitting next to his sister and they talk about tips. Like you said, they they're talking about their mom, which is a complicated relationship coming to the friends and family opening. They talk about serve safe. They say the word serve safe eight times in that two minute scene. Uh, it's pretty good. Excellent branding. Excellent branding. And they're also talking about that painting. And um, it was just a really it. Side note, a really cool scene between siblings who are connected and can have that many conversations and it all at once. Yeah. And it goes to show all the like all the details that you have to vet out when you're opening a restaurant. I thought it was really cool to see. Is it Ibrahim? The, the, the one chef who was in the original beef who struggled. He was sent to school. Mm-hmm. Another shout out, by the way, Kendall College, a actually real yeah. culinary school in Chicago, branded and, and where some of the people on this team go for culinary training. Uh, and he struggles there. Yeah, uh, he at drops that college. out. Right. But he doesn't want to leave it all together. And he's getting food safety certified near that end. And so he's literally watching the serve safe video on his phone and understanding in real time the things that he needs to do to be ready and prepared for this new restaurant. It was it's obviously a plug. Right. But it felt pretty cool in real time. I think they wove it in in a very realistic way. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was well done. And when he's talking to Uncle Jimmy later and he goes, how do I do the serve safe thing? And he's like, it's an eight hour class. Just have him do it. I'm like, Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Right. You brought up the mom. I feel like if this were a different podcast, we could probably have like two hours on the family relationship and the and, and the maternal lead, Jamie Lee Curtis, by the way, probably playing a nominated role for for her job oh, as yeah. the, the matriarch of this family. Some might say overboard, but uh, she's intense. Some did say overboard. I don't know if you uh, listened to Bill Simmons, but I feel like they talked about the bear, and he he didn't like it. A little, um, little overboard. I thought she went too hard, and I I don't I didn't I have not rewatched that episode. She definitely goes hard. I'm not sure if she did it too hard, but it's she she's tough to watch me. in a way. It's just like oh man, I have your heart attack already. Just yeah, it's. <laughs> Uh, I'm on board with that. That's a good segue into because that was her her big scene was episode six. It was almost like a standalone movie in of its own. It was an hour long. It was the whole family Christmas that gives you a sense of the past and the future and why some things are the way that they are. And I I get anxiety thinking about it and talking about it right now. It was so intense. It was tough and loud. And when my, my wife was watching it afterwards, um, and I walked in the room, I'm like, ah, no, I can't watch this one again. I need to turn around and go. It was so intense. That that alarm for the each of these seven fish courses yeah. that was going off over and over and over. It uh, might be easier to watch a second time, because I feel like the, the first time through, you're like, we're building to something bad. What is the What's bad coming? thing? Yeah. It's, it's coming, and it, they just can't get there. But like you finally get through the episode, you know, like, how it goes, but well, you I don't know. See. I kind of thought it was going to be worse when you're watching. I'm like, oh, this is that's pretty bad. There was I an thought, all-out brawl between Mikey, I, the brother who you know eventually commits suicide, and and fake uncle, and Bob uh, Odenkirk. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk was he was also great. phenomenal. He was really good. He might was have been the best guest. Although I like John Mulaney a lot. Or um, <laughs> so good. He was just he was himself, great. basically. Yeah, he was really his good. Gra- his grace in that episode was was terrific. Yeah. Is he still holding the fork? <laughs> <Is he still? laughs> yep, yep, okay. he is. <laughs> just keep going. I thought he was like the boyfriend of the mom. He's the boyfriend of. A cousin? Like, no. Not Mulaney, the guy he gets in a oh, fight with. Bob Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk was like, they, maybe they insinuate that he and the okay. mom had hooked up, but he is a business partner with other Uncle Jimmy. Yeah. I, don't, I have zero oh. idea of the actual genetic connection to any of these people, right? It's it's clear there's a Polish line, there's an Italian line. I'm not sure who's related, right? Like right. Richie is is like not called cousin, but not actually their cousin. Yeah, I think he just lived next door. Uh, he became like, a part of yeah. the family, right? I think he had a rougher upbringing, and that was part of the point of, like, that's his family, whether it's his actual genetic family or not. Like, um, I don't think Neil's related by blood. No. No. Did you know, by the way, Neil is a real chef and a real restaurant owner in Canada? I learned this, like, literally in the last 24 hours. We're, okay, well, and we know is, what we have to do. <laughs> he is, we could get him on the show. I mean, right. he is so funny in every yeah, scene that he is is in, no matter what he does or says, I, I can't get enough. I love it. Yeah. All right, let's go to episodes, though, because we switched, to, we switched, we talked about the hour-long episode six. That one is, you know, had a cast that is unbelievable, mm-hmm. so big that it almost felt like it took away sometimes from the from the the feeling of of, of a family dinner because each one of them is a, a a big actor in their own right. Yeah. So it was, it was a little tough. I liked it though. I liked that. Like, whoa! Look at all the look yeah. at all the heavy hitters like behind this that we probably won't see again. Maybe we will a couple of them, but um, you might see Jamie Lee Curtis again. She might, might. The mom might be back, but. I don't know. I like that they got a lot of big names for that. I thought that was cool. It was it was intense. Do you have let's go around. Do you have a favorite episode of all ten of them? Oh yeah. What do you got? Forks. Richie's episode. It was easily the best episode. And there's a if it's not your favorite, you have the wrong answer. I just think it was episode was so clearly the best. And everything about it, I love that he is a guy struggling to like 
find purpose and doesn't know what to do with himself, but he like knows inherently like I've got something to give somewhere. I just don't know what it is, and he finds it, and then it's like a it's, light yeah. turns on. I I want that. It was, <laughs> I, I, I think that's what that. If you want to know why people love the show, that that episode is it, and I think it's 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 mine too. For those who don't understand the background, he is what's called staging, right? Like basically interning for free at a very high-end restaurant, the quote best in the world best restaurant the world. that probably doesn't Down the street. literally yeah. exist in Chicago, but it is associated with where Carmi used to be. Mm-hmm. And so he he puts him there as a way to learn and basically learn how to be a maitre d' and, 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 and understand customer service at a higher level. I think that's that true in the show because Richie is annoying as hell, but he also is like lovable and everyone around him has that sense that like... Like he's here, he's got something we don't know what it is, and and it's amazing. Well, when he in finds season it. one, I feel he's like he was just worst. terrible. It's yeah. like, man, can you just get out of here? But like you, <laughs> he was he, getting worse in season he, two. He was, but I think he becomes. I mean, he's my favorite at the moment. I, yeah, I'm rooting for him like no one else. I can, can I tell you, I want. We need to get original Burf shirts. The, the episode <laughs> where he's got the misprint one, where instead of B E E F, it's B E R F. I need, I need that shirt. <laughs> it's noted collector's item <laughs> is there a different favorite episode though among you you said forks what about you yeah i i like so when we first started talking about this you know a week ago i was like i agreed i thought forks was my favorite episode taylor swift but i have yeah there's a taylor swift focus in there as well but i think episode nine is really good i think that'd probably be my second one omelet yeah yeah i so i think i'm gonna go with that one but forks is just right there like i really went back and forth nine's great obviously right it's all the prep up the the one-on-one conversation that carmen and sydney have which is absolutely impossible it's 20 minutes before they're opening and they're fixing a table together at the restaurant and no one's around them right yeah (laughs) for way too long for way too long i thought the table was gonna like fall and break all their hands and then they couldn't cook like i was waiting for that the the discussion was poignant and, and really good and challenged and like because you realize that everything that has happened is the, their relationship is the nexus. It's the core and the creativity that comes from what could be possible as they talk about is is like taking something that's common and making it something extraordinary and special. And that, that connects. I really I really liked that. So episode now is great. I. I don't want to sleep on episode four though. So oh yeah, that's a it's, good one. It's like which one is that? So it's almost like the poor man's forks in that it's when Marcus goes to Copenhagen. That's my least favorite. What? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cut the cut the feed. Cut, I'm glad you didn't tell me this before. <laughs> I I did not. I wanted to sit on it. Yeah. What? I love that. A Copenhagen looks amazing. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I have not been. But like it's the same concept though. It absolutely of is, yeah. Learning and 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 figuring out something new about yourself and what your potential is. The conversation that Marcus has with the chef that used to work with Carmi as well when he was in Copenhagen about your potential, realizing it when that chef talks about realizing that he wasn't the best and coming to terms mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. And but that that rocketing him to levels still that he didn't think were possible for himself was like a phenomenal scene. Like yeah. I've seen that other actor before and he's in We Are the Millers. Oh. He's the, the kid and yeah, We Are the yeah. We're the Millers or whatever that movie is. Yeah, that's a different role for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good. He like, is really good. He's yeah. really good and believable. And by the way, believable as someone who d- does that chef. That by the way, that that's one thing the show does really well, start to finish. 
it's easy to like make it look fake. I always think about when what is the the legend of Bagger Vance is uh, is the golf version of this where Matt Damon just can't golf and he doesn't know how to swing a golf mm-hmm. club. But I'm supposed to believe he's one of the best golfers in the world, and it just it's it's hard to watch. I don't see any of that in any of these scenes in the bear where it's amazing to me that actors somehow or at least were trained enough to be plausible. Right. right. And, and these skill sets that they're bringing and that they really do deliver high end menu and, and, and this and the mechanisms to create a lot of these items are like intense and real. And I love it. Like, I like that they someone or multiple people on the team were committed to making this seem very believable start mm-hmm. to finish in, in, in the visuals and, and, and what was actually happening. So you got to All right. I'm. How is that your least favorite? Okay, so I probably need to go back and rewatch it. I only saw it the one time. I will watch it again. We can we can talk about it next time. But I think there are a couple reasons why it's maybe my least favorite. One, the pace of that episode is notably different than the rest of the show. It's slower. It's, it's quieter. Calm, it's, it's quiet. It's, it's a yeah. different energy for that episode. And I like it took me out of it. It made me just feel a little weird. I I didn't love that. And also, I just another thing that this show like a an unanswered question from this show that definitely is in that episode and kind of in other spots throughout that really kind of bummed me out especially with Marcus is can you be great without giving up other important things and mm. he's got his dead dying mother just kind of like dying in a bed somewhere and he's like busy making dessert and it's like it just brought me down I just didn't like it and same kind of thing with Carmen later in the Later in the show, at the very end, it's like, yeah. I, can I have a girlfriend and be the best? No, I can't. I, I, I ruined this. This is my fault. And uh, yeah, it, it was absolutely well done. Copenhagen looks awesome, but it just sort of, it was the maybe the biggest bummer of the season for me. Well, and that's how the show starts season two, right? You, yeah. you, you leave season one on, on edge and it's intense and it's raw. And then season two is, is Marcus with his mom. It starts very slow. Mm-hmm. Well, and you don't even know who it is at first. I think that it's his mom. That I don't, I don't remember know if, if I'm ever, supposed to, I don't even know if they ever tell you that it's his mom, do they? But I think you just are supposed to make that assumption. I just don't think it was clear who was in the bed in the oh, first okay opener of the season sorry to interrupt go ahead yeah no I think that I think it's probably not necessarily clear maybe it was clear in, in episode one where our season one and, and we just are, are not remembering yeah. or missing it uh, it's definitely made clear when he's there and he's talking he's talking via zoom under the bad link with uh, Sid while he's in mm-hmm. Copenhagen and he's talking about his mom and, and have that's a really good call though Joe like the can you can you do it while having a balanced life in any way, shape, or form. It's pretty clear through season two, and that's, you know, more spoiler alert, as you get into episode 10, Carmi can't. Yeah, no, you can't. totally implodes. Can't. Uh, Marcus seems to have some semblance of balance. He he does, but they show his phone um, at the end. end. He's got all these missed calls, like something just went down that's not good, and he's not there for it. So it's... And that's, like, pretty much how they end the season. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's where the show goes. Is uh, well, who knows where it goes? But maybe them trying to have it, it is all clear is, that conversation episode ten should be as hard as it was. That the scene near the end, right? And more spoiler alert, but Carmi gets Carmi and Richie. The the symbolism of him getting stuck in the freezer because he didn't deal with the issue because he was right. Like there's a moment earlier in the episode where he could take the the call yep. from Claire. Mm-hmm. 
who would be his new girlfriend, which we haven't talked about at all, who's dividing his time and his focus away from opening this restaurant where he thinks it should be. And until he gets frozen or he gets stuck in the refrigerator because he didn't deal with fixing the fridge. Right. Because he's got a girlfriend. Their whole a whole idea of like, I, I can't do anything else with my life. This is the only thing. Everything else has to go. She hears it, by the way. Oh, absolutely gutting. She shouldn't have gone into the kitchen. Don't oh. go in the kitchen if you don't work there. <laughs> That was brutal, where he basically says, I can't have anything else. And she doesn't know that she's there and she hears it. Listening, and yeah. it is, that is, and she plays it well, by the way. Yeah, because um, he thinks he's talking to Sid. Yeah. No, he thinks he's Tina. talking to Tina. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 What do you got? But I think, so I think also, yes, because he didn't deal with it himself. He also wouldn't trust anyone to deal with it because several people offered to handle it and he's like no I got it and so you made fun of me before we recorded this about how many comments on leadership I had in my notes but I think there's a conversation there he thinks that he can't do both I think that applies to any industry or any like work-life balance conversation like Joe you said but ultimately Friends and Family Night was a success and they got through Expo Richie comes in and does his thing and the team works even without Only. him. Oh, afterwards. So like even before she is struggling, Sid is struggling. She's the number two. She is having a hard day herself. She has worked herself into a, a lather and she is stressed out. I think almost like mimicking wanting to be like Carm and, and yeah. following those leadership skills and being like that works herself up into a, a place where she can't manage either. Yeah. It's amazing. Richie's Richie the MVP. The day. He's yeah. the MVP. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Sid. Of the season MVP. and of opening night and of Agreed. the day. He just yeah. he, he came in and he was settled it and just then did it. Nailed it. He was amazing. Yeah. Was uh, awesome. which was really cool. And by the way, when she went back into a position where she is preparing actual food and being a leader on that yeah. front, she's she's been inspired and doing a great job. And you're right. Then the team actually figures out how to do this in his absence and does a pretty damn good job, which is interesting about what that means for season three as well. But doesn't isn't that all you want as a leader? Doesn't that show you're a good leader is when your team can make it happen even when you're when you fall, when you're stuck in the fridge? I don't know. I think there's a conversation there. I think that's important. Uh, don't micromanage and make sure that you yeah, don't let your ego get in the way of, of, of what is best for the restaurant, the business, whatever, at any given time. A hundred percent. hundred percent. But I do. I was irritated by Sid in, in the episode 10. Cause I'm like, I just want yeah, you to. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't great. Pull this together. It was. It was too much. I think the burden that she put on herself because Carm was with a girlfriend, which was splitting up his focus for the first time ever in his life and finding some, you know, personal joy. Put it all on her, and she put it all on herself, and and couldn't handle it. Right by the time it got to, and you know, there's. I mean, she must have thrown up 25 times. At, yeah. Near the end of that episode, and so she's got a struggle there. So you're right. Season three may be setting up towards like, what is that? balance and leadership and can you find a way for to get harmony uh, maybe in your life yeah maybe and or maybe the, maybe i don't i don't know the, the restaurant might fail like that the show could be like the restaurant fails i could see it totally going that way it might not be a happy ending they certainly didn't make that. episode they didn't make the last episode like a, everyone wins and everyone's happy yeah. it was you know they they did get through the day and i think objectively friends and family night was a success with all of the challenges that it had and they got yeah. through it and 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 did it thanks to richie mvp oh yeah man those conversations though the end where he's where he is first oh. with the girlfriend and now that's over or at least you know frayed tremendously followed by the scream match with of richie and carmy at each other and and richie like 
with role reversal of being the guy who is like the more mature in control of his life and in control of his emotions guy, but still screams out, you know, he's like they're screaming at each other and still says like, I love you three times right. to Carmi. And it just wasn't connecting. It was powerful. It was like, like that's a scene that's going to be a signature scene for yeah. a long time. And there's time. some real stuff. Like we find out that Carmi wasn't there for his brother's funeral. Like, where were you when we put your brother in the ground? Which speaks to that work-life balance. Like, it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay. Also, when he listens to the voicemail is tough. Yeah. That's tough. What's the voicemail? Oh, the... In the freezer after he, like, accidentally breaks up with her. And then he listens to the voicemail from earlier when he sent her... When he vo- didn't take the call. Yeah. When he didn't take the call and didn't call the fridge guy. Yeah. Yeah. You want, to, you want to say what the voicemail was? Basically, she's saying, I'm so excited for you and says, I love you in the voicemail. The, and, he- the healthiest thing in a long time for him. And yeah. Yeah. And he blew it up because he, and he didn't know. And earlier he had been talking to Neil in the storage room when that's a funny scene. When he walks in, Neil's just facing the wall before the fire suppression test. And he's like, are you hiding? And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, do I have a girlfriend? Do I have to ask her if she's my girlfriend? And Neil goes how much do you love her and he goes a lot carmy says that so it's like and that never connected i always like how neil also called fac until like episode nine or ten all of a sudden he gets to have a real name yeah he was like oh i love claire we love claire so much we love claire so much claire bear great i love it also speaking of product placement tums and pepto-bismol definitely paid a fee to be present throughout this season yeah yeah, I, all of these things we've talked about for the restaurant industry, if it, if it is not something you feel inside you, it's a tough one. Yeah. To, it, like an outsider goes, hey, it might be fun. Might watch this and actually have a different feeling, a different take of like, I will defend that person to the death. That person might be like, yeah, I'm not sure this is something I really want to get into. Yeah. It's not an easy industry to just dip a toe in and see if it's fun. Yeah, takes a unique person. Okay, the only other question I had is, does anyone have a favorite line? I don't think so. You? You asked the question. You've got it. You've got the line. I mean, I feel like there's so many. There I feel like it's so more many. moments than, than yeah. like a, than a If there's than like a, a favorite scene that stands out. I, I like when Uncle Jimmy says, like they're talking right before the opening and he's giving him all this life advice. Because Uncle Jimmy is kind of like a scary jerk most of the time. And towards the end of season two. Politely he, disagree, but go on. I love him. He's my favorite character on the show. Oliver Platt's really good. Oh, interesting. He's um, so good in this role. He's yeah, so he's good. Really he's good, but I was scared of him a lot of times. But yeah, maybe in the mob or connected to the mob. For yeah, sure. There's, there's clearly some yeah. side, some some tie-in. Yeah. Well, I just like he says he gives him this whole speech, and then he says, "You want to be the guy, be the effing guy." So this is one thing I picked up. I'm glad you actually did bring this up. It triggers a because we didn't talk about Uncle Jimmy at all, and he's mm-hmm. like he was only a little bit in up in season one, and is a huge part of season two. Yeah, like his scene at the Christmas dinner episode where he didn't know that Richie had said that he told his wife uh, that he had the job, and he in real time makes it work out for that him. That was good. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like just phenomenal acting. Nailed it all the way around. What thing I picked up watching some of these a second time is he tries to tell Carm repeatedly and the whole team repeatedly throughout that 
I have a story about epic failure for you and that I want to share with you. And he, and, and he says it three different times and I missed it because he never actually tells the story until he tells it in episode nine, yeah. the whole Cubs story. Mm-hmm. And Bartman. you think, you think Bartman's the, uh, the, the, the villain and it's actually the shortstop who screwed up to begin with and didn't do his job and set things in motion. And, and that's how you led to epic failure. I think there's symbolism there that probably we've talked about season three that might also carry yeah. on to, to season three here. You want to be the guy, be the guy. So I'm glad, I'm glad you did bring up. And he Uncle says, Jimmy. I think I have a girlfriend. And he goes, I'm so happy for you, but also. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then it Uh-oh. all plays out. <laughs> also, did you catch the chocolate-covered banana thing? Nailed it. Yeah. So good. So I had to go and like rewatch and figure it out. But yeah, so Richie gives him at the the friends and family a chocolate covered banana, and it's a very it's his special dessert. He's like, I don't have I don't have any room left for dessert, but he brings it to him. He opens yeah, it. yeah, and he told the story at, in episode six, right? The, which was five years ago. Yeah, the Rich- so that yeah. is a Richie memory from five years ago that he brings back. The Richie Uncle Jimmy thing is just nice. So it just makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you ever hear the the thought that Seinfeld was actually a show about George? And and that you don't think about it because it's called Seinfeld, but it's really a show about George. I think maybe this is a show about Richie. It could be. I mean, season yeah. two certainly felt that way. He had a whole bunch of development. Carm kind of he was just like overwhelmed and yeah, yeah. I I think it might be. I don't know. I like to think of him. A little, you're a Pistons guy. We talk Pistons. Yeah. On this. He's like the Cade Cunningham. He's the most talented guy, but he is dishing out and, and making sure everyone else around him yeah. is maximizing their potential. Right. Like what he doesn't get credit for from acting is that he put all of these people in opportunities to improve themselves. Right. We didn't really talk about Tina, but Tina being able to be made a real chef Love and Tina. goes to school the scene where randomly she is singing karaoke at a bar. Oh yeah. Is weird and I don't know why it's there but it's good. Yeah. And you find her getting purpose later in life and feeling fulfilled in a in a way that, you know, in season 1 she certainly didn't think about it that way to begin with and her level of growth was was really cool and he puts her in that position. He puts uh Richie in that position and and, and same with Marcus as well. And so all these people get to be better versions of themselves cuz he sees that potential and knows how to provide an assist right we're probably coming back to him i mean season two he just didn't he he was just struggling with his own stuff and doing all of that but like he is having panic attacks out in the alley and mm-hmm. struggling to like have a girlfriend while opening a, a new restaurant i think he didn't rise to the occasion but like he's going to have to if this is going to work so it's possible maybe season three and onward is like him him figuring it out him getting better at it him I think you're right. Him I think he, he'll be more at the center. For, and there's yeah. clearly going to be a season three. I mean, yeah. the, the way they left that, it's it's coming back. Can you imagine? I, yeah. if there's not. Oof. I, I look forward to it. And it's going to be great because of the, the accusation of calling him, when Richie calls him his mom. Yeah. It's perfect. It was spot on. It was. 100%. The, the not dealing and the, and the level of chaos and some narcissism, yeah. frankly, that's mm-hmm. getting in the way of him being what he should be here. Is is perfect, and that kind of growth has got to be part of. I God, I hope is part of. And then you three. see his mom like out, can't even come inside. She's that broken. Like it's, this is what you're on the path to if you don't fix this. She you doesn't think she's worthy yeah. of seeing something that they did great because she's she thinks of herself, and she's probably right, right. As, as, a, as as kind of a shitty mom, uh, and and 
How about how about shout out Pete by the way? Uh, oh, that was yeah. horrible. Sugar's Sugar's uh, oh, that's the sister's or, husband yeah. who has basically just been a punching bag the entire season, and everyone he's like a goofy nice guy, but everyone treats <laughs> like garbage. Has actually listen. I know there's no reason he should be at the center of the most maybe the most emotional moment of season ten in, in that it's scene up outside with uh, with he and the mom. But he shout out to that guy. He does a good job elevating who he is and make me think a little bit differently about him based on how that scene might played out. Oh, I think it was the, the the more emotional worst part of that was when he came back inside and like could barely keep himself together at the table yeah. trying to like <laughs> just put yeah. on a decent face for his wife but he can't do it and it's just yeah. There's one thing by the way that drove me crazy about episode 10. Why is the sister half Sitting, dining she's yeah. like half dining like she's a yeah. guest at that at that thing with him but then also working but then dining but then working like why in any world would she not just be working yeah that seemed weird yeah, yeah. okay weird and when he like hallucinates and thinks he sees the the joe McHale, the his oh, yeah. previous chef that right. was a when that happened i was like oh no because you get a feel for what's going on inside his brain and it's not gonna go well yeah that's a good point we can cut this too, but is it is it the best show on TV right oh. now? Well, I I like to rank every year. I like to like reflect at the end of the year. It was it was like number two or three last year. I got to look at my list. It's easily going to be oh, no wow. worse than two, but Succession. Um, well, that's not on anymore. I'm I'm saying I'm, if yeah, so Succession's year, still I, number one. But the, like the still, things you viewed a, in 2023, do you think this is going to be the number one thing on your list? No, I think Succession's definitely number one. Yeah. But like going forward. Is this the best show going, kind of? Might be. Yeah. Ted Lasso ended this year, too, and I didn't think I cared at all about that show. And then I watched the last episode. I was like, I think I really missed this show. <laughs> it, it ended permanently? Yeah. I've never watched the it. The series finale, yeah. I didn't really, I thought, I, you know, I wasn't as into it as other people talk about it. And then the, and then the, I watched the last episode and was like, I had an emotional reaction. I'm like, Hamley, this is over. <laughs> so there you go, TV. Anything else we want to hit on? Because we covered a lot of ground. On the bear. No, I think we did pretty good. I think we... I mean, we didn't talk about the soundtrack. We did privately, oh, but... so oh, yeah. good. Can you just have an intro and outro of the soundtrack uh, songs here, or is that going to cost us a lot of money? I mean, I think technically it should, um, but if you want to <laughs> steal, we can do that. We've done it on Cold Oatmeal before, and no one's gone to jail yet, so... Yet. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, probably shouldn't. That's good. We're not getting millions. Let's go let the cat out the bag. We're not getting millions of listens on this podcast, so I don't know that someone would flag it. Fair. Fair. We'll leave it up to Joe. So look forward to plenty of REM, some Wilco coming your way. All right, guys, great discussion. I know this is a, not exactly a typical second half of, of this show, but this show connected with me, with I think all of us uh, and, and our audience probably who have watched it as well because it's so true to our, our industry and what we do here. So great conversation. Mm-hmm.